Welcome to the Think Like a CFO podcast, where we dig into not only what it takes to start a business, but to keep your business thriving for years to come using my signature CFO money method framework. I'm your host, Melissa Houston, and I am a CPA and business financial coach. I have over 20 years of experience in business, and it is my passion to share my knowledge of business finance and personal finance with other women. You can also follow me with my column at Forbes.com or my column with Entrepreneur.com. Emily Milling is an entrepreneur, content creator, and podcast producer in Toronto, Canada. Her business, The Ultimate Creative, helps entrepreneurs share their voices with the world through podcasting. Her comedy troupe, Big Chick Energy, is on a mission to bring a lot of weird and happy-go-lucky comedy to as many people as they can. Emily is also a filmmaker and composer. Her most recent feature film, Impossible Horror, was a collaboration with her partner, Justin DeClue. That film taught her the ins and outs of electronic music composition and sound design and brought her into the world of podcast production. Emily loves pizza and running equally. I highly doubt it, but she says it. And although she makes horror films, she's totally afraid of ghosts. Hey, Emily, also known as the ultimate creative. I am so happy to have you here today. How are you? Hello, Melissa. I am so excited to be on the Think Like a CFO podcast because thanks to you, I now think like a CFO. And this is like the truth, everybody. Melissa, help me think like a CFO. The best story ever. I love it when I hear some love from my clients. (laughs) It's fantastic. But we are going to get into your story in a bit. But first, I want to ask you to share a little bit about yourself with the listeners. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity. So I am a podcast producer, and my business is called The Ultimate Creative. So I help really amazing creative entrepreneurs produce their podcasts, and we do it with a super cool, holistic, content marketing strategy and the background is not just podcast editing. No, it is the whole thing. So we look at how your podcast can support your overall business goals, how your podcast can make you sound like a million bucks and give you that platform you've always wanted. And we do it with fun, Melissa. I feel like you can probably attest to that too. Like, I hope you have fun working with me. And yeah, and I get to produce this podcast too. I get to edit it and all of that fun stuff. And then the other part of me is that I have a sketch comedy troupe called Big Chick Energy, and we make hilarious comedy sketch videos. Et c'est moi, juste moi, Emily Milling. Fini. And and your sketch comedies are actually quite hilarious. Sometimes I get notifications on YouTube and I'll just look for a distraction and I'll click on them and I'm like laughing my head off and like it's just a really good break. I love it. And yes, to attest to your services, you are just as much fun to work with as you are on this podcast today. And I would love to share with uh, listeners a little bit more about your services because it really, if it wasn't for you, I never would have started this podcast. And I can say that with absolute certainty. Aww. So maybe we should talk about my story a little bit yeah. as to when we met. Mm-hmm. Remember when I called you? I think it was back in July. Yeah. And I was like, I'm thinking about doing this podcast, but I'm not really sure. I'm scared to death. <laughs> 
Do you remember that conversation? I do. And it was such a great time because I was really just starting to get into exclusively podcast production with my business. I had been doing lots of like websites and stuff before, different types of content. But the thing about podcasting that I love so much is that it really gives people the confidence that they never thought that they had really. And I get phone calls just like yours all the time. People saying like, well, I don't know if I can actually do it. I don't know if I would ever be able to do it. And then all of a sudden, after we get those first couple of episodes launched and into the world, it's like, oh, I am a podcaster. I am actually really smart. And I I know what I'm talking about. And so when you and I were having that conversation, it was just such a fun opportunity for me to be able to share with you like how you can go from feeling like, oh, no, I don't know what I'm doing to, oh, yeah, I'm actually really good at this. And people, they want to hear what I have to say. I feel awesome. But I, I truly believe that it's the way that you care about your clients and you walk them through the process and make them feel at ease. That makes all the difference in the world. I know when I came to you, I was scared and rightfully so. I mean, it is a very scary thing to put yourself in the world on it's a true. weekly basis. But you walked me through the tech. You walked me through the emotions. You walked me through how to basically set up an episode. And not only that, like you offer podcast coaching on a regular basis and you offer feedback on a monthly basis. I think that's what sets you apart from a podcast editor because you're not an editor. You are a podcast coach, producer. I know you introduced yourself as a producer, but I'm going to say podcast miracle worker. (laughs) I like that too. That's my new title, (laughs) podcast miracle worker. Yes. I know that for me, like I felt so relaxed and I really feel part of a podcasting community working with you. You're connecting us podcasters that you work with, but you're connecting us with each (laughs) other now so that we can talk Mm -hmm. to each other and grow ourselves as podcast hosts. And I really enjoy that because quite often as a podcaster, it feels a little lonely out there. And it's good to have a community rallying around you and supporting you. And if you're having like an off day or you experience some sort of snafu, you can go talk to your community about it. I was actually really inspired by the community that you created for your personal finance course, like the group that you have on Facebook, because I really do feel like when you have a community around you of people who are learning the same thing and growing together at the same time, it makes it that much easier to do it. Like entrepreneurship is hard enough in solitude. It by nature is a solitary thing. But when you have people around you and that community feeling, it's so much easier. And so your community actually inspired me quite a bit to push it further and bring all of my amazing podcast clients together. Oh, I love hearing that because (laughs) I mean, it is really effective. Like for me, I'm like, when when you brought all of us together, I'm like, finally, I get to meet other people who know like the grind of it Mm -hmm. and how rewarding it can be yet the challenges that we face. So I am super grateful for all the wonderful services that you (laughs) offer as a podcaster. So if anybody's listening to this podcast, then they really like the way it sounds and (laughs) the way it's edited and whatever, you can contact Emily. All her contact information will be in the show notes. It's true. Because I'm going to put them there. Actually, my amazing copywriter will do that. (laughs) Okay, so Emily, you being an entrepreneur, you know, as well as anybody that being an entrepreneur is a very challenging occupation to have. It's definitely got its rewards, but it's got its challenges. So as an entrepreneur, was there anything in particular that you found challenging in your business? I mean, there's like so many different things that I find 
incredibly challenging about being on an entrepreneur. Hiring the right people to work with is one thing. And then at the same time, like the personal development that's required to be a leader and be a good leader and show people what I want and how I want it and all of that sort of stuff, getting things out of my head, processes, all of that stuff. That has been like a huge thing for me in the last little while. But before that, the biggest challenge that I think I had was trying to figure out cash flow. Like I I always had like revenue numbers that made sense that were like big and bold and wonderful and stuff. But I never really thought about like the profit side or like tax planning or anything of that nature. I was really operating more as a sole proprietorship where I was freelancing and then needed to get to the point where I was operating as a business owner and the business is an entity in and of itself. And I am not it, right? So I made that transition a couple of years ago. July 18th was my official date of incorporation, which is a ridiculous date to put on your filing return thing. Let me tell you, it just confuses everything. And and when I made that switch over, like I was totally cool with my books and I could figure out how to organize my personal income tax really easily, even with my sole proprietorship and the HST remittances and all that stuff. I was all squared away. So I moved into a corporation model in 2018 and I had been working with someone on their website at the time. And he said, my wife is a bookkeeper. Do you want to work with her? Do you need a bookkeeper? And I'm like, you know what? Probably because now this is, this is bigger than anything I've ever done before. And I kind of went out into the blue, as they say, to figure out how to start managing my books and my finances. And she was actually really wonderful. She just cost way more money than I had at the time. And she did some training with me and she managed some other things for me and the transactions and everything. And eventually I started working with another entrepreneur and we turned the business into a partnership. So it went from me all by myself to incorporated to a partnership. And now it's back to me all by myself. And that transition even was kind of a nightmare. We we went through three or four different bookkeepers and tax accountants. And the whole time, I just kept sticking my head in the sand thinking like, this is somebody else's problem. It's not my problem. I can't handle it. I can't deal with it. I've got a partner who can also think about it. And she wasn't really paying attention to it either, not to slant her or anything. But I think neither of us really could fathom or comprehend what the heck we were supposed to do with our money because there is no official school for this stuff. It's sort of guessing on the CRA website. And if you're in anywhere other than Canada, you probably have another website like this. This is our Canadian Revenue Agency. They are the federal body of financing. Wait, the website, (laughs) it's impossible to navigate. And so like you go in and you Google your questions and stuff and there's no answers. Like what is, how much should I save for taxes? Well, if you have this deduction and the small business thing, then you will qualify for that. But you only qualify if you have a polar bear and it's sitting on top of your igloo (laughs) on January 14th of every single year. And it's literally like that. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. So anyway, fast forward to now, here we are. And this is when I met you. I was like, I consistently have these ginormous $10,000 corporate tax bills at the end of the year. I'm not planning for them. I have no clue where to put my money, how much to pay myself. Everything is just a mess. And that is when I started producing and listening to your podcast and, and started really connecting with some of the stories you were telling of people who were in the exact same position as me. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, fine. I'm just going to call Melissa. I'm going to start working with her right now. And originally I wanted to work with you in January, which is like right now, but I'm so glad that I just, I 
pulled the trigger and I went for it in, in October because now everything's so much better, Melissa. And it's so nice that you can start 2021 with a fresh slate. Yes. You know, you, you've got this financial knowledge now and you can apply it and have a nice clean year ahead of you. As an aside there, Emily, you're not the only one who feels that, like that about <laughs> CRA. I think pretty much everybody does. Oh, God. Even when I was working in public accounting and we had to contact CRA, it was just like bang your head against the wall. As an accountant, <laughs> you couldn't even get a straight answer. Aww. So yeah, for sure, you're not alone with dealing with that. CRA, if you're listening, you've got some work to do. Truly. Truly. <laughs> so what type of skill set did you acquire through working with me? So I think the biggest shift for me wasn't necessarily in the hard skills. It was in the soft skills of understanding that I have the capability to manage my own finances and to be able to plan for the future as well. Because I I really, I truly didn't believe that I was able to do that. Like when we first started talking, I said to you, like, this is going to take twice the amount of time that you usually spend with other people. And we luckily only had to do one extra session. You know, for me, it's not luck because I would like to just spend all my money on you and spend all my time with you. So really, it's, (laughs) it was a necessary evil that we had to endure. But we do have a good time working together. We do. (laughs) I really want to emphasize that it was so hard for me to accept the fact that I had to stop ignoring my numbers and start actually getting things organized because I was coming at everything from like a band-aid solution approach. I was like, I'm going to launch a course. The course is going to make me $50,000. I'll pay off all my debt. I'll have all my money for my corporate taxes. I'll like, I'm going to just operate in these lump sum things. And obviously this is not how a business can or should be run. It should be organized by budgeting. There's one of the hard skills. The budget was so huge and important for me and and understanding like, where is my money going? But actually, and then next month, where is it going? And then the month after, so that by the time I get to June 30th, again, with my stupid corporate filing date of the year, mid-year, I have all of that cash in the bank to pay the CRA. And I'm not destitute or broke or anything. I have plenty of money. So that was a big one for me. So, okay, I'm recapping partway through my answer. First, it was mindset. Second, it was budgeting. Third, really important for me was understanding cash flow, how money moves in and out of my business, because some clients pay mid-month, some clients pay random two days before the end of the month. And then my vendors, they are paid on the first of the month. And then I also want to get paid at certain times of the month and then the remittances and all of these different things. So understanding and tracking when the money comes in, how the money goes out and where it's going and all of those different things was instrumental in me getting my finances in shape, becoming financially fit, as I like to say, because my goal is always, I want to be financially fit this year. You know what? This year, I'm actually going to be financially fit. So yes, so the mindset stuff, the budget, the cash flow. The other thing that was really great about working with you was that you fixed my books. And I don't know if you do that for all of the people, but I think because we were both just like, what's happening here? You were like, I got to make this my mission. I got to fix this. I got to make it right. That was that oh, was a huge And you know thing. what? That was a huge thing. It was a nightmare. It took me a while to get that done. But this is bringing up a really valuable point where I often stress to clients, if you're going to hire a bookkeeper, Do not hire, and I'm not suggesting that this is what you did, but this is a lesson for everybody. Do not hire the cheapest bookkeeper you can find. Do make sure 
when you invest your money in bookkeeping services that they know what they're doing and that they're going to record your transactions accurately and in a timely manner. Because what happens is when you bring your books to your tax accountant at year end to get your taxes done and they see that your books have not been maintained with the regular accounting rules, they have to go back in and fix it. And instead of starting from scratch, which would be some in some cases so much easier, they actually have to figure out what that bookkeeper did in order to make these mistakes so they can go in and fix them. And that is what where the time is spent. If your accountant has spent tons of hours trying to fix your books, it's not because they're stupid. It's because they have to follow a certain path or method, if you will. That's where your costs multiply. Mm-hmm. So it is definitely in your best interest to ensure that if you have engaged in a bookkeeper or if you're doing doing your books yourself, make sure that they're being done accurately so that your accounting bill will not skyrocket when you go in to get your tax return completed. Yeah. I think it's a really good point too, that knowing what to look for in a bookkeeper or an accountant, I didn't know what the questions were to ask. And so like when I would sit down with these finance professionals, when they finished my returns and everything, I didn't know what to ask them. And I was trying to get them to explain their different methods and what all of this stuff meant. And like, well, how do I owe $10,000? Can you explain it to me? And no one ever really took the time to articulate these areas of like, well, actually, you know, if you put yourself on a payroll, it would be counted as an expense. And yes, you're going to pay more taxes on your personal income tax, but there's all of these other benefits blah, blah, blah. It was just, these are the black and white numbers. And if you don't know this stuff already, you are an idiot. So when I had the opportunity to work with you, I was able to figure out what the questions are that I'm supposed to be asking. So I don't feel like a dumb dumb when I talk to finance professionals anymore, because I know what all these things mean and how it relates to the success of my business and, and all of the different financial plans that I have to make. Absolutely. And you know, I find that infuriating when I hear clients, because you're not the only one I hear a lot where they've worked with their tax accountant and their tax accountant has basically spoken down to them and treated them like they're stupid because they don't know what you're talking about or you don't understand what Mm -hmm. they're talking about. And that's completely unfair because accountants, Mm -hmm. we go to school for years, we learn our, our skill and that's like you expecting me to understand podcasting. I come to you, Mm -hmm. I pay you for a service that you offer, and you would never speak down to me about my journey on learning how to podcast. So if a client is coming to a tax accountant and the tax accountant is speaking down to them, it's completely inappropriate. Like we are the clients and you should be treated with respect. So to me, a red flag is if your accountant is talking down to you and another red flag is if you ask questions and they do not respond to you in a language that you understand, Mm -hmm. they're doing you a huge disservice. So two huge red flags there and go keep looking for a new accountant because that relationship just won't work. Agreed. Now, getting back to when we were talking about the budget, because one thing I really want to bring up for attention is, you know, when we speak about a budget, most people understand that, okay, you have a budget and it's basically telling you how you can spend your money or where you can spend it. And it's constricting. Maybe in a personal budget, that might work. But for business budgeting, it's a lot about planning your goals out, right? Mm -hmm. So what we typically do for a budget is we break it down into the 12 month period and you make your revenue goals for each month. 
And then you budget the expenses that you will incur to meet these revenue goals. The important step, which we didn't really touch on, but is super important because you have a budget. So what are you going to do with it? So the key is making sure that you monitor your activity throughout the year. As we discussed, what you do is say for 2021, we're starting a new year, you've got your new budget. And in January, by January 31st, or a couple of days after, you're going to go in there and you're going to compare your budget to what you actually spent. And you're going to monitor the variances between these numbers. So say, for example, that you budgeted that you were going to make, and this is strictly fictional, this is not Emily's revenue numbers, say you're going to budget $10,000 for revenue, but you only made 8000 So these are things to be aware of from a month to month basis. So when you go into February, you'll be like, okay, so I fell short by $2,000 last month. Let me make it up and make sure that this doesn't happen again. So you're identifying problems before they become the larger issues. Would you agree? Yeah, I would absolutely agree. And I think it also gave me the opportunity to plan in advance. So if I can see into the future and I know like, okay, I may not be working with a particular client come March or April or something like that. I know that I have to do specific things with my marketing in order to bring in a client to fill in that area so that I don't have a sudden shortfall or I am not losing out on my vendors. They don't have to lose out on anything either because there wasn't the planning that had to go into it. Exactly. Like people often associate budget with like just strict rules that you have to adhere by. Mm -hmm. But a budget in a business is essentially a plan for your business. And budgets can be fluid. I mean, you, you set your goals and those basically stay the same throughout the year, but you have the ability to adjust and react to market circumstances or whatever life is throwing at your business. As long as you are aware that these situations are happening, then you know how to plan for the future. So for example, if every month you had budgeted $10,000, but every month you came in short, but you were really hoping to hit that revenue target by the end of the year, if you weren't monitoring that every month, you wouldn't know that you were short on your targets until you went and did your year end books. And that does Mm -hmm. no help for anybody. So Mm -hmm. the earlier you can catch the issue the more money that you're going to make. And the same works with expenses. I mean, how many times have I heard stories about this is my favorite? I set a Facebook ad and it was running for three months and I didn't know and my bill was like $10,000. How do you not know that? If you were not looking at... People don't look at their credit card statements. People don't, they just don't know. Like sometimes you just don't notice. So it definitely pays to be on top of your finances because, you know, these things happen to everybody and we just let it go. And when you know better, you do better. Mm -hmm. When you're on top of your books, there's definitely financial rewards because you know what's going on and, and it tightens your finances so that you can save a lot more money and keep that profit within your business because you don't want to be lining other people's pockets like Facebook with unnecessary money. You know, you want to keep that for yourself. Be in charge of your books. And then the other thing that I think you benefited from was the tax planning. When you're looking at your books mm-hmm. every month, you know how much you need to put aside to pay taxes. And that is super important so that when you get your tax bill, you've got the money to be able to cover it. It won't be a big surprise anymore. Exactly. I Yeah, that that is just the biggest thing for me because it was something that I had experienced 
too many times before and just never wanted to have happen again. Because that feeling that you get when you're like, where am I going to get that money? And and what do I have to pull out of in order to pay that tax bill by the time it's due? And then that means that I can't pay myself a certain amount. And that means that I can't invest in maybe a coaching program that I really wanted to invest in or some other type of personal development or growth or something like that. Knowing this all in advance now, when I look at my bank account, like I've got a checking account that has all of my tax savings in it. When I see that go up every single month and I'm like, yes, I am so in control of this right now. I know exactly how much I need to put away for the next couple of months so that by January 30th, I am totally covered. I'm totally ready to go. I just feel so much more at ease with my money. I I feel, again, like I don't have to hide from it. I don't have to bury my head in the sand and think it'll work itself out. I'll find some other lump sum of money. Like that just doesn't happen. These like these crazy ideas that you have when you're like, if I ignore it, it'll go away. But it it won't. And if you want your business to be successful, if you're really dedicated to it and you you want to make it happen, like you really need to be in the trenches with your money and figuring this stuff out. And I just I I think everyone should learn from you specifically, Melissa, because you're so great at teaching this stuff. Everyone (laughs) should learn how to manage not just their business finances, but also their personal finances from a place that starts like inside in your mindset and and the emotions that you feel around it. And Melissa, you do such a good job at pulling those out and exploring them in a way that feels comforting and comfortable. Like you hold space for your clients to come to terms with probably some really hard things that they believe about money to be true, which may not in fact be true. Like I think I mentioned on my podcast that you were on, I had a really hard time believing that I could manage my own business finances because my biological father is a businessman and and all of that stuff, like very much old 50s style kind of a nuclear father figure. And, And we don't speak anymore. And that relationship after it had totally disintegrated, it really made me feel like there is no no possible way that I would ever be able to be successful with business finances. But I had to work through those really hard emotions, those really difficult feelings in order to get to a place where I felt comfortable with everything. And I'm sure a lot of people listening probably have a similar story, something that like put you in a frame of mind that makes you believe that you're not good at money. But I can tell you, having come through on the other side, having worked with Melissa very diligently on this, that you are good at money. And it's literally just practice and working with the right people that get you. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you saying that. And everybody has a money story. And chances are they definitely were rooted back in your childhood. Money is the most emotionally charged topic that there is out there. And just speaking about money conjures emotions up in most people. I can't even think of a person that it doesn't conjure up feelings, whether they're negative or positive. Everybody has a feeling about money. But the thing is, money is a tool. But a lot of people forget that because they get caught up in the emotion. That was a big one. I want to, I I just want to pull that little phrase out. Money is a tool. When I first heard you say that on your podcast, I was like, oh, and I got it. And then it made sense. And then when I saw it applied in the budget, I'm like, all right, it is just a tool. It's not anything connected to my self-worth or anything. It's literally just numbers moving around on a page. It is just a tool by which to accomplish my lofty, lofty goals. Yeah. 
Yeah. But at times, you know, and, I, and I'm still guilty of it to this day. I still feel a lot of emotion around money. Mm-hmm. To me, money sets my worth. And I have to correct myself saying, no, whether I have mm-hmm. money or not, I'm still the same person. You know, if I reach my revenue goals for the year or if I fall short, I am still the same person mm-hmm. or whatever that money baggage is that I'm carrying because I do carry it. And, you know, as long as you're constantly in check with it and you have to correct yourself sometimes because we're all guilty of it, just knowing that you have a way to reset that mindset, then you're good. Yeah. So Emily, would you say that you feel like a more confident business owner now that you've managed to gain control of your finances? Absolutely. A billion hundred bajillion percent. And I'm, I'm trying to think of, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the, uh, the reasons why, cause there's so many and they all come flooding into my head all at the same time. So not only do I feel confident that I can pay myself the kind of money that I want to be making, I also know where and how I have to work in my business in order to accomplish these goals based on the budget and the revenue targets that I set for myself. I also know like where to draw the line. I can see if I'm spending a lot of time on a particular client, for example, and it's not really working in my favor and I'm, I'm losing a hell of a lot of time on it, maybe it's not the right fit. Maybe there's someone who works better with their personality type. But like I'm tying this all together with the budget goals and the revenue goals that I set because it's super important to know that stuff because how can I reach my financial targets if I am spending time doing things that aren't serving the business overall? Like it's a a chicken and an egg thing. I think for me, understanding the like the breakdown, the cost breakdown of my services and how much money I want to be making and how much of it I want to be sharing with other vendors, for example. You bring up such an excellent point. It's so true. There's money sucks everywhere. Mm -hmm. And sometimes your clients are sucking money out of you. You know, there's nothing that happens in your business that doesn't affect your bottom line, which Mm -hmm. is your profit line. So be cognizant of that, you know, know that whether it's having a bad employee or a bad client, or maybe there's a client out there who's referring you like crazy. So they're a golden client. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't always have to be negative. There's positives too. Mm -hmm. And being aware of these things and how they impact your business and where you should focus your attentions on and where you should let things go is super important to running a profitable business. And I think the other thing too is future planning. For me, that was so helpful. Like you mentioned, I think in our last session, that I should probably think about setting aside a certain amount of money so that I can pay myself for a maternity leave. And I'm thinking like, oh yeah, like I do want to have kids and probably pretty soon, how am I going to make sure that I'm able to take time off and do that and still earn money? Because I don't think I can, there's no like EI for entrepreneurs, is there? That is actually a really good question because I know they changed the rules on EI and Hmm. you can, anyways, that's a topic. Neither here nor there. But it was important for me to know that because I would have been like, oh yeah, nine months pregnant, ready to burst. Oh no, I have no money. (laughs) But now I know. How do I feed the baby? (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, oh, I I don't want to spend all my time like producing podcasts. I'd like to spend time with my newborn. You know, I'm I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking that's probably what I'm going to want to do for at least the first day or two. I don't know. You think you're tired now. You just wait. (laughs) Oh my God. But it's important for me to know that stuff so that I can say, okay, I want to find a couple of really great 
people, people that can help me to manage my business while I'm away. So I have money to pay them and I have money to pay me so I can take the time that I know I want to take when I need to take it. It's awesome. I'm so glad that you're thinking ahead like that. So for our listeners today, do you have any specific advice or comments or anything that you want them to take away with after this episode today? Yeah, I think if you are in the situation that I was in before, or if you have ever been in that situation and you don't want to be in it again, you really owe it to yourself to do some investigating to see what you should be planning for and how you should be organizing your business finances. If you're thinking about starting a business and you're like, I don't even know where to begin. I know, Melissa, you've got a fabulous program that I think a lot of people need to be signing up for immediately. I don't know when the cart opens as of the air date of this episode, but if it's open, you best be heading on over there right away. Because look, like, (laughs) thanks for the plug. It opens January 19th. (laughs) Nice. But like, if you want to have a successful business, there is no way to do that without understanding your finances and having a really good handle on them. You can hire stuff out, totally, absolutely. But I am a firm believer that you must understand the mechanisms of the things you're hiring out for before you hire them out. Because otherwise you have no clue what the hell it is you're hiring for. Yeah. Exactly. And I love hearing you say that because it's so true. When you get to a point where you're going to have a part-time virtual CFO or whatever the case may be, and somebody's giving you financial advice, you need to understand what they're telling Mm -hmm. you. Ultimately, that decision lies on you. So it has been an absolute pleasure having you with us today, Emily. And as I mentioned to folks who are listening, you can get her information in the show notes. Yeah, follow me at the underscore ultimate creative on Instagram or at Big Chick Energy Sketch. Hey, I'm going to just plug my sketch comedy troupe or at theultimatecreative.com and listen to Melissa's episode (laughs) on my podcast, Ultimate Podcast Marketing. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the Think Like a CFO podcast with Melissa Houston, CPA. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. Until next time, I'm Melissa Houston. And remember, nobody will ever care about your business as much as you do. So never give your financial power away.